have a little longer portion of scripture, so I'll let you remain seated. Genesis 37, as we continue our series on It Is Well, and I, I know that a lot of folks have been going through uh, certain circumstances in their lives, and I pray that uh, these messages have ministered to you the way they have to me, and I love the Word of God. And as we continue in Genesis 37, we'll pick it up uh, where we left off last week in verse number 12 this morning. The Bible says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, and a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren, tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren. And found them in Dothan, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. Behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt, and Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat 
or no, and he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. As we look at this portion of scripture in Genesis 37, we see a continuation of what we looked at last week in the life of Joseph. And certainly we see all that's going on here in this passage, and I don't know about you and your life, but I know that many have experienced the heartbreak of shattered dreams. God gave Joseph some dreams, and it's apparent that in his life that those dreams that were given to him at this point, those dreams have been shattered. Maybe in your life, You've had a child that did not turn out the way you envisioned that child would turn out. Maybe you've had a financial setback that's broke your heart. Maybe you've had a marriage that didn't go the way that you dreamed it would go the day that you stood at an altar and said, I do. Life itself seems like at times to be a series of shattered dreams. And when dreams are shattered, what happens is it leaves us devastated. Many times we're confused, we're upset. Certainly, all of this was going through Joseph's mind, and it was going through Joseph's heart, and it may be that way with some of you here today. Dreams that you've had that today seemed somewhat shattered. Sometimes we might be even tempted to think that God has forgotten us. Where is God? Does God care about me? We might even wonder if God has forgotten the things that he has promised to us. I wonder how Joseph felt all these events that happened in his life. I wonder what was going through his heart. The passage before us today certainly would teach us that life can seem incredibly unfair at times. Things aren't going the way that we expect, and our dreams are being put to the test. These verses teach us that life doesn't always go like we think it will. It's not exactly what we signed on for. But can I tell you that even when the dreams of our lives seemingly lie around us in shattered pieces, always, always remember, God is still in control. We don't understand it. Certainly we mentioned Michelle and there are many others. We don't understand the things that happen, but we're not God. We just know that God is working all things together for good. 
And here in Joseph's life, it just seems like God gave him these dreams. And if God gives the dream to begin with, then understand that God is also able to guarantee that those dreams will become a reality. So let's try to get some help this morning from the life of Joseph. As even in heartbreak, it was well with Joseph. Notice the passage before us this morning, and uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're in the habit of just studying the Bible and just going through the Word of God and seeing what God would say. And I want you to follow along with me this morning as we see, first of all, in this passage, the stress. The Bible says in verse number 12, look at it. It says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel, which is Jacob, said unto Joseph, and Joseph is uh, the, the 11th son of Jacob, he said, Do not thy brethren, that's the first 10 brothers of Jacob, the first 10 sons, he says, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Now, Shechem, if you look at it, Shechem was about 20 miles north of the city of Jerusalem. They lived around Hebron, which was 20 miles south of, 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 of Jerusalem. So they were about 40 miles north of where uh, Jacob and his family were living at that time. And, and so he asked his son Joseph, he says, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? And, and then he tells him, he says, come, I will send thee unto them. He's going to send Joseph. And I love Joseph's response. He says in verse 13, here am I. Those are three words that all of us ought to practice in our life when our Heavenly Father asks us something. God, here I am. God, what would you want me to do? And Joseph shows here his position as a son. In verse 14, he says unto Joseph, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be, look at here, whether it be well. See if everything's going okay with your brothers. See if everything's going okay with the flocks. But I see in this, I see the stress. I, I've realized in my life, and this is, no, this is no knock against my children, but I have learned, and maybe you have too if you're a parent, that parenting really doesn't begin until your children become adults. I thought parenting began when you saw your children come into the world. But when your children are children, you have a position of authority with your children. Now you ask them to do this, and you ask them to make this, and you ask them to eat that. And by the way, we're living in a world where children are dictating to parents what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. And I'm praying that you would realize that is not what God intends for the home, that the parents are the authority in the home. Can I get an amen this morning? Because I'm going to tell you, that's one of the problems in the world today is the children are running the home. But things change when children become adults. Now, part of it is, is that as they become adults, they begin to make their own decisions because they are adults. But a lot of times, the reason that children are the way they are is because of what parents have allowed in their lives before they became an adult. So I'm going to tell you something, oftentimes when we look at our children, 
as adults, as parents, what we need to do is look in the mirror. Again, we, we see this in Jacob's life. Notice his command. Jacob wanted Joseph to go check on the welfare of his brothers, and they were away from the family. They were tending their father's flock, and I thought to myself, there, there's probably a couple reasons why Jacob, the father with these sons, why he was concerned about his sons. Now, one of the reasons I think Jacob was concerned about his sons was because they were in Shechem. Now, again, I, I don't have time to get into all of it, but if you go back in your Bible, here's what you'll find is, is that Shechem was where Simeon and Levi, two of his sons, had gone and murdered an entire village to avenge the rape of their sister Dinah. So in other words, Jacob's thinking to himself, now there's probably some hostility towards my sons in Shechem and I'm concerned about their safety, their welfare. So he was being a father, being a parent, thinking about the situation, which by the way, his sons, Simeon and Levi, created that hostility. We also see that maybe Jacob was concerned because it's evident, even from last week's message in the beginning of chapter 37, that Jacob's sons had already proven that they were not trustworthy. We see this in their actions. And, and so he, he asked Joseph to, earlier on in this chapter, remember, remember what Joseph brought back to his father? He brought back the report from his brothers, and the Bible calls it the evil report. See, these brothers were up to no good many times, and Jacob was well aware of that, and he was probably wondering what kind of evil or what kind of trouble they had gotten themselves into this time. So I see the command here, how Jacob asked Joseph to go check on his sons, but notice his confusion here in the early on in this, in this portion as a father. I think it's easy to see that Jacob, like many of us, he had gotten occupied or preoccupied with things in his life to where he wasn't paying attention to his own children. This happens a lot. A lot of parents, and again, I'm not saying bad things, but listen, we allow ourselves to be occupied with things to where we don't pay attention to the responsibility that's been given to us by God. And if jo Jacob would have been paying attention then Jacob would have known that his sons, 10 of them, had hatred towards their brother by the name of Joseph. If he was paying attention, he would have known that. And the Bible even mentions that it had gotten so bad that, that Joseph's brothers could not even speak kindly to him. Were you raised like I was where uh, your parent told you, if you can't say anything good, nice at all, then what? Don't say anything at all. See, your parents, you sure your, my parents didn't raise you? But here's the thing is, is that there was some confusion. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, Jacob believed that his older uh, sons, maybe he thought they were incapable of harming his other son, Joseph. They would never do that. But what I have found in, in life, just being around people, and again, I'm not judging people, but I want this to be true, is that passive parents oftentimes will pay a high price 
for allowing their children to do as they please. Remember in the Old Testament, Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Those two boys were wicked as the day is long. And again, you see a father not helping his children to understand that the life they're living is not pleasing in the sight of God. And so I see the stress. But notice, I also see as we move on the support because Joseph was a son that was devoted to his father. Joseph was one that supported the authority in his life. And the Bible mentions in verse 13, he says, here I am. In other words, I see his immediate devotion here. He, he didn't, the father didn't have to beg him. The father didn't have to bribe him. And, and yet Joseph is there. He accepts this assignment from his father to go check on his brothers. And that's what the father asked him to do. And he knew that if he went, that there were going to be risks involved, but he was more concerned about obeying his father's authority in his life. That was his number one priority. And the same ought to be true for us as Christians is, what is God's priority for our lives instead of what we want or what others want for us? And Joseph was a young man. He was a son. He was a type of Jesus Christ that he demonstrated his love for his father by doing what? By obeying him. You see, we shouldn't have to think about what does God want us to do. He's already given us his word to tell us what we ought to be doing. And if we do what he asks, we are showing him that we love him. That's what, that's what Joseph did. He was devoted to his father. Notice his immediate devotion. He says, here I am, or here I am. Well, God, he says, Father, what do you want me to do? And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Another way of saying that is doing what he asks of us, following his will, obeying his word. And we see here the immediate devotion, the support that Joseph gives to his father. But notice his insistent support also. Go back in our passage to verse 15, look at it. And a certain man found him. So here he is, remember how we read earlier that he went to Shechem and the Bible records that Joseph is there. He's, he, that this man who's not mentioned by name, he sees uh, Joseph kind of wandering around in the field. And I don't know, maybe Joseph passed his tent a few times or I, I don't know whatever the situation was there, but this man, certain man, saw Joseph wandering around, and so he asked him what he was doing. And Joseph says, well, I'm looking for my brothers. They're supposed to be around here. Ten brothers with a bunch of sheep should be easy to find. He's looking around, he can't find his brothers. And this man says, well, I heard them talking when they were here that they were going to go from here, they were going to go to a city named Dothan. Dothan is even farther north than Shechem was from where they, were, they came from, which was Hebron. So what does Joseph do? He, he hears this man. Then he, now, at that point, Joseph could have chosen. He could have said this. Well, hey, my father asked me to come to my brothers in Shechem. I went to Shechem. They weren't there, so I'm going home. He could have done that. He, he would have obeyed his father. But the Bible records here that when Joseph got there and he did not see them, he did not turn around and go back home. He knew that his father had wanted a report on his sons. He says, I want to know the welfare of my sons. 
And so Joseph wanted to carry out his father's will, but here's the thing, and I wonder how many of us would be willing to do this. Joseph wanted to, to carry out his father's will, even though it meant going beyond the original command. I think about what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 41. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. A lot of times I think about Christians. Do you know that if you work a job, you should be the best employee at your workplace? God's people. That means that, look, when everybody else gets there at 8 o'clock, you ought to get there at quarter till 8. When everybody else is clocking out at 4.59... You ought to stay till 5.15. You ought to be working harder than anybody else is working. Why? Because you represent the Lord. And Joseph could have easily said, hey, look, Dad, I got to Shechem. They weren't there. And so I came back. That's the only thing I know. So you're going to have to figure it out from there. No, he, he knew that his fathers wanted to know the welfare, so he was willing to go beyond the original command, and nothing in our life should ever prevent us from doing the Lord's will for our life, the Father's will, regardless of the cost, no matter what the inconvenience. Look, it might cause us some pain, or there might even be, like in Joseph's life, some opposition. But I love the fact that he was insistent. And he says, look, I'm not just going to obey I'm going to go beyond the command. You see, I do see that there was some stress there in the life of Jacob, but I love the support by his son Joseph. But notice what this leads us to in the passage. I see, thirdly, the scandal that took place. Look what the Bible says in verse number 18 as we read on. And when they, talking about Joseph's brothers, when they saw him afar off, here he is coming to Dothan. The Bible says, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. What's another word for the word slay? To kill and to murder, right? Look at verse 19. And they said one to another, behold this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. How many of you think Joseph's brothers loved him? Man, I'm going to tell you what, with brothers like that, who needs enemies, right? Sounds to me like they just can't even stand the thought of Joseph. And I see this scandal. Notice the plot that when he arrives there, that his brothers... They, they, they see him afar off. I mean, they see him getting close to where they're at, and their hatred in their hearts, it had grown so much that now they actually had a desire to murder their own brother in, in, in cold blood. And, and look, if in our lives, just like Joseph's brothers, if we don't deal with sin, and that's what they should have done, they should have dealt with it, but if we don't deal with it, what's it going to do? It's going to grow. And this hatred that they had, it grew. And look, if we don't deal with it, they could have easily avoided this whole situation if they would have just dealt with the sin. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 57, look at it, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. You know what was on display? The true nature 
the depravity of man. That here they were brothers, and in their hearts they were willing to take their brother's life. They, they hated Joseph so much. They ridiculed him. They said, here comes this dreamer. They were mocking his very words. They had become so callous that not only did they want to kill him, but then they wanted to take his, his corpse, his body, and throw it in some pit. And then on top of that, just like David in the Old Testament, then they try to come up with some kind of scheme, some kind of, some kind of plan to cover up their deeds, and they had no concept when they were doing all this, just like David in the Old Testament, they had no concept of the sovereign power of God. Look at the Bible says in Isaiah 46, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. Just like Joseph's brothers, I think all of us need to examine our hearts and see if there's any seedling of sin beginning to grow in our hearts. And you know the time to deal with it? When it's a seedling and it's not a huge tree. A lot of times we come out of our house, maybe to go for a walk, maybe to get in the car and leave, maybe, maybe just come outside for a little while. And, and a lot of times I come out and I, I see uh, the, the plants and the vegetation and things in our yard. My wife always sees these things right inside the bushes. She's like, do you see that? And I'm like, it's a bush. She goes, no, look in the middle of it. And there's like, it's like that big around. It's like a small tree that's grown up out of the bush. And it was undetected until it got above that bush height. And my wife would see that and she would go over. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You go over and, and the bush is this high. You could go over and clip it right off at the top of that bush. But that's not the way to deal with it. The way to deal with it is to get down into the bush I know I've had to do it. And to get the whole thing. But see, when I look at Joseph's brothers and I see their plot, the Bible says in Song of Solomon, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. The Bible shows us this plan of these brothers. Notice the proposal by the, by the eldest son. His name is Reuben. Look what it says in verse number 21. Reuben when Reuben heard their, their plot, their plan, notice what he, he decides to do. Reuben heard it. He delivered him out of their hands. And he says to his brothers, let us not kill him. And so Reuben said unto them, shed no blood and cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was, was come unto his brothers that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and they cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it, and they sat down to eat bread. And notice again that Reuben being the oldest, and you, even, even the very name Reuben, 
Reuben was a weak man. The reason that I say that is because if you look at his life, Reuben, he would decide this, and then he would say, nope, nope, and then I'm going to do this, nope, nope, I'm going to do this. The Bible describes him in Genesis chapter 49 as unstable as water. He just kept going from one position to the next. When I grew up, we had this, this little saying, we would say a person like that was wishy-washy. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. Wishy-washy. You know, kind of like one of those agitators in some of the old washing machines. Here and there and everywhere. And that's the way Reuben was. And the Bible says here that Reuben, Reuben, listen, if there was one of those brothers that had more reason to hate Joseph than all the rest, it was Reuben. Why? Because he was the oldest. Remember, there were privileges to be in the firstborn in a family. And here, here comes Joseph. Remember, he's wearing that coat of many colors that his daddy gave him. Remember last week I talked about how the fact that Joseph's coat, yes, it was a coat of many colors, but it had sleeves in it, and it was a long coat, meaning that he was, he was positioned by his father as one that was going to be in charge of family affairs in the days to come. And when his brothers saw that, they hated him because they saw that coat. They saw how daddy had given that coat to him. And if there was anyone that, that had awed against that, it would have been Reuben, who really should have been the one that ended up with that coat. But the reason that, that Jacob gave it to Joseph was because Joseph was the one that he could trust. And we see this happening here and how that they, they make this proposal. And look, uh, Reuben knew that he had a responsibility, even though this decision had been made by his father, he had a responsibility to protect all of his brothers, especially his little brother by the name of Joseph. So even in his stability, or excuse me, instability, what does Reuben do? He tells his brothers, okay, look, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into this pit. Kind of sounds like a good brotherly thing. And the Bible says they were going to throw him in this pit, and the pit that they did throw him in, the Bible says there was no water in it. So here's Reuben. He says, look, let's do this. Let's just let him die of starvation. You know, that sounds like a better thing. Let him die at the hands of his own uh, whatever his own demise instead of us taking his life I don't know if he was trying to ease his conscience whatever he was trying to do but I know this that when you look at the word of God the Bible indicates that he was actually planning to come back look what it says in verse 22 he says shed no blood cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness lay no hand upon him watch this that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. What that means is that somewhere along the way, when the, the brothers weren't around, Reuben was going to come back. He was going to get Joseph out of that pit and take him to his brother. Now you can see a lot going on here because this scandal started with the plot and then you see the proposal. Notice then thirdly, I see the plan that they had in verse 25 again the Bible says they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah, which is one of the brothers, said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? In other words, is there anything that we can get out of this? So the Bible says in verse 27, Come. 
and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother. Now all of a sudden, he acts like he cares about his brother. But remember, the bottom line is, how much can we get for him? The Bible says he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now again, here you see these brothers so callous. They throw Joseph in the pit, watch this, and then what do they do? They sit down to eat lunch. Think about that. They had just thrown their brother in a pit to let him die of starvation. And all they can think about is, it's lunchtime. Calloused, cold. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it indicates that Reuben, when this was going on, Reuben, for whatever reason, must have left for a little while. When Reuben is gone, these Midianite merchants, they pass by, they're heading to Egypt, the Bible says. And again, if you look at it, 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 there's a trail that goes down around the Mediterranean that heads down into Egypt, and many times they would go down to Egypt to sell spiceries and balms and things like that as a way of making money for their families. And they were heading to Egypt to, to sell their products. And then all of a sudden, one of the brothers by the name of Judah convinces his brothers, hey, let's sell Joseph. Let's not kill him. So the Bible mentions he was sold. Do you remember how many pieces of silver Jesus was sold for? 30, right? But look at the passage. Joseph wasn't sold for 30. He was sold for 20 pieces. I got a little curious about that. And I found out that according to tradition, 20 pieces of silver was not the price of a slave. It was the price of a crippled slave. Which really kind of indicates that they sold their brother like he was a piece of trash. Like they really didn't care. It's evident by their actions. Joseph's brothers were so unfeeling and so filled with hatred that they, they saw him being lifted out of this pit and they saw their brother being hauled off to Egypt to never see him again and it never even bothered them. The Bible mentions this about Joseph, in case you think that Joseph's life was luxurious, look what it says in Psalm 105, verse 17. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. So I see this plan that they have. Hey, let's sell him. But look what happens next. I see the panic. Because Reuben comes back in verse 29, look at it. The Bible says, Reuben returned unto the pit. Behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? Now, Reuben had really not been a very good oldest son to his father. And that's not one way that you're going to get back into good graces with daddy is to say we can't find your son or your son is dead. And so here he is thinking about his life, thinking about what his father's going to think about him because he was the one that was left in charge, and so he panics. 
knowing that his father's going to blame him. Isaiah 59, verse 2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear, for your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue have murder, uh, muttered perverseness, none call for justice, nor any pleaded for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Hey, we need to be reminded what the Bible says in Numbers 32 and verse 23. Look at it. If ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure that your sin will find you out. You see, God has a way. And I see the scandal that took place that led to the sorrow in the end of this chapter. The Bible knows in verse 31, we see the sorrow here because of the concoction that they had come up with. In verse 31, they took Joseph's coat and they killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. Jo Jacob, here he is, his sons are at it again. What are they doing this time? They're deceiving their father. By the way, does that, does that story sound familiar to anybody? Remember when Jacob's mom did the very same thing to deceive her husband, Joseph's father, or Jacob's father? And how that, that, that he, he says, bring me some of that meat that I love. And he, he smelled and he says, well, it smells like Esau. It feels like Esau. What did they do? They deceived his father. And so the Bible says, whatsoever you reap, that will you also, whatsoever you sow, you, you'll reap. And that's what was taking place here. It, look, they took this coat, Jacob's, Jacob's coat that he gave to Joseph, this coat of many colors, what did they do? The Bible says they dipped it in blood, and then they took it to Jacob. The Bible says in Psalm 101, He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house, but he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. How about John 8, 44? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You know what happens when we lie? One lie leads to another. And you know what you have to do next? You have to come up with another lie to cover that lie. And it just goes on and on and on. You see the concoction here. Honesty really is the best policy. The truth shall set you free. Always tell the truth. And here's these sons of Jacob who would not tell the truth to their father. So what did they do? They deceive him. They concoct this story. Notice the cruelty in verse 32, how they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father. And they said, this have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Do you see what they're doing? They bring this coat, this whole thing of deception. They bring it before the father. They knew that he knew that that was the coat because he was the one that gave it to Joseph. They, they didn't care about anybody, especially Joseph. The only person they cared about was themselves. We live in a world like that today, people full of not caring about anyone but themselves. Folks, can I tell you that 
when you and I, our, as a Christian, our walk with the Lord should be marked by this thought. We should always put others before ourselves. Look what it says in Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You see, I see the sorrow here because of this concoction, this deception, because of the cruelty. There was no compassion for their father in the words that they said to him. Notice the crushing that, that took place in verse 33 where he looks at this coat and the Bible says he knew it. And he said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And the Bible says jo Jacob rent his clothes and he put sackcloth upon his loins. And he mourned for his son many days. And all his sons, look at this, and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He says, I will go down into the grave unto, unto my son's mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Jacob recognizes the coat, and he assumes that his son is dead, that he's been torn in pieces by some wild animal, and Jacob falls into deep despair. He refused to be comforted. His sons had broken his heart. And guess what? They didn't care. He was crushed. But notice the cowardice. Because the Bible tells us in verse 35 again, that in their, listen, in their hypocrisy, acting like they cared about their dad, not one of them, not one of Jacob's sons would tell him the truth. They were cowards. They, they, they didn't have the courage enough to say, Dad, this is what we did to confess it, the knowledge of what they had done. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You had to know as we read on in the days ahead that that just ate at them until that day that they faced Joseph with the truth many, many years later. The power of guilt, knowing of what they did to right the wrongs, but they would not do it. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All. All. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You say, pastor, this is a heavy portion of scripture. I mean, I haven't found a whole lot to be encouraging today. All this stuff that they did to Joseph, all that Joseph went through. I mean, look at the, at the end of the chapter. In verse 36, the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. I mean, Joseph, at the end of the chapter, he's been sold as a slave. He's heading off to a distant land by the name of Egypt, and he's going there in chains, and the, his dad is heartbroken. His dad is in despair. He's inconsolable. His brothers, those 10 brothers, the Bible records how they are, no doubt, they're guilty of, of a terrible sin against their brother and against their father and against their God and against their family. This prosperous family, one that was a promising family, has now been plunged into the depths of gloom and hopelessness. But when I look at this whole situation, here's what I get out of it, is I see that behind the scenes of this terrible tragedy, and it is. I see the 
unseen hands of an almighty God. Because what's going to happen in the days ahead, you see, this is just preparing, setting the stage for the future. You see, even though we don't understand, even though Joseph didn't really understand, why, is my, why are my brothers treating me this way? And even though Jacob didn't really understand what his sons were doing to him, God knew it all. God knew what was going on. And as you look at this story, listen, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Don't miss the most important thing, and that is this. That Joseph is a type representing the Lord Jesus himself. You think about all that Joseph went through. And then you look ahead to Jesus. And you think of what Jesus went through for us. The Bible says in John 1, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you know Jesus as your Savior today? I hope you do. I pray that you do, because if you know Christ as your Savior, even in your life during times of heartbreak, you can still say, it is well. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder today, if there's someone here this morning that would be honest with God and say, I don't know for sure, that if my life ended today, that I would go to heaven. I haven't yet settled this matter of salvation, my eternal life. I've heard the message this morning how it seems like everything was against Joseph, but yet God has something for him in the future. You see, as God was there for Joseph, God will be there for you. If you don't know him as your Savior today, today can be the day of your salvation. And if you are a child of God, and it seems like you've had some dreams and God has shown you some things for your life and it just seems like in your mind and maybe even in your heart today, has God forgotten me? Does God love me? Because it seems like everything that I wanted to do that God showed me is just kind of shattered right now. But how many of you as a child of God can see that God had some great things in store for Joseph? But Joseph had to go through this to get to that point in his life. How many of you would say, I need God's help to help me to get my eyes off of myself and to realize God loves me and God is working in my life to help me in the days ahead? Would you slip your hand up this morning? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to to hear the truth of the Word of God is that we look at this chapter, I pray that even through the heartbreak that we would still realize that you are in control. Lord, bless the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning?